2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. From Postcard from the Past and Wardour Studios, this is Podcast from the Past, the postcard podcast. This is the podcast where we risk our eyesight by squinting at the tiny figures on picture postcards, deciphering the spidery writing on the back as we explore the memories, meanings and stories of picture postcards. I'm Tom Jackson and today I'm delighted to say my guests are comedian Gronya Maguire and novelist Kit Duvall. Kit and Gronya, hello and welcome. Hello. <laughs> now, Gronya Maguire is a stand-up comedian, comedy writer and actor. She's performed innumerable times on the Edinburgh Fringe and she has fearlessly entered the lion's den of politics on Question Time <laughs> and the Daily Politics which, uh, she's a brave woman. Uh, <laughs> you may also have heard on the radio on the Now Show, Stephen Cutting was an idiot's guide, Front Row, Woman's Hour and elsewhere. And Gronia comes to us with a dunmo Navan county meath postmark? Yes. <laughs> and, Grania, do you still send postcards?
0: I mean to send postcards, which I think is close. <laughs> I, 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 whenever I go somewhere on holidays, I've got a niece and nephew, so I send them a postcard because I think they're still at the age where they're eight and ten, so if they have yeah. something that's theirs, it's still really exciting. So yep. that's
2: what I mean to do. And uh, how about receiving cards? Oh,
0: I haven't received that many. My sister went on a big, big round the world trip. And so my granny was still alive, so she sent her loads of postcards. And one time, I think she was hung over her stress, but she forgot to put my granny's... But what? No, she forgot to... she. She forgot to put my granny's name on it. Oh. So instead of putting my granny's name but be Ita Maguire, she just put granny <laughs> and then the area that she lived in. So it got me. It got there. Because <laughs> you know what happened? It arrived at the local post office and the postman was like, OK, so somebody has got a granddaughter who's been on holiday in Australia. So he just asked around and they said, oh, Ita Maguire's granddaughter is in Australia. Oh, I love that. That is an Irish story, isn't it? <laughs> it is. That, that
2: could only happen there.
1: So great. Great.
2: Brilliant. Well, Kit Duval worked for 15 years in criminal and family law for the social services and the Crown Prosecution Service, but it's her fiction that brings it to Wardour Studios today, and she's won numerous awards for her short stories and flash fiction. My Name is Leon uh, is the novel that's made her name, though. The extraordinary, heart-rending story of a boy in foster care, uh, which won the Kerry Group Irish Novel of the Year and was shortlisted for other awards. Uh, a subsequent novel, *The Trick to Time*, is equally visceral. It's part romance, part tale of loss. Kit's been also been vocal in attempting to see greater visibility and representation for working class writers. And Kit comes to us today with a palimpsest of uh, <laughs> <laughs> of cancellations, postmarks from Saint Kitts, Wexford in Ireland, uh, and then probably sitting over the, the lot of them, Birmingham in the Midlands.
1: Correct. Mm-hmm.
2: So Kit, when did you last send a postcard?
1: I don't, but I do send greetings cards. So I do always uh, you know, remember my friends' birthdays and nephews and nieces. Postcards, I think the last time was probably about 10 years ago when I had a competition with my brother to find the worst postcard. I found a photograph of two rabbits. I think that was from Whitby. But he won with the photo. An Alsatian from Brighton.
2: I just don't understand why you're saying these are bad pictures. <laughs> They're so
1: bad. What, the, the, what we were trying to do is make sure the postcard had nothing to do with the place. That was the point. It had to have nothing to do with anything. So, yeah, he won, unfortunately.
2: There's a long, no, no, long and noble tradition of uh, cute, cute cats and uh, doe-eyed puppies.
1: But are Alsatians doe-eyed or cute? <laughs> that's the thing, and that's why he won. You know, they say, go to Brighton, see the Alsatians. (laughs) Exactly.
2: Exactly. exactly. Well, before we discover the cards that Gronio and Keir have brought along, I'll give you a quick card of mine. This is, of course, a postcard from the past card, uh, like I do on Twitter, uh, at past postcard. It's an old card from which I've selected just a part of the message. So this is a card of... She's a rather good card, actually. It's Butlins in Minehead in Somerset. Uh, and it's a sort of uh, river boat, I suppose, like yeah. like a um, southern New Orleans, states, New yeah. Orleans kind of thing. Um, it looks really—I think it's probably a, a much simpler boat. They've just put some wooden cladding on the right, side. On the side, it's yeah. Like They've the got packing cases on it, <laughs> and it's called Butlin Queen of the Lake. And there's a fairly industrial building beside, which I remember with a dining yeah, room that, or that something. that looks grim. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was sent in 1973, and it was sent to Dorset from Somerset, so not very far. Here's the story. Sandra entered the Lovely Legs competition. And what a story there is to tell there. (laughs) She had her photo taken with a red coat, so she'll have a souvenir. See you all (gasps) Sunday.
1: Sandra with the good legs. Well, Well, we don't know if it's good legs, actually, because there's a story. Yeah, I don't know if they were good or
2: bad, but... um...
1: That's so good. My mum was um, a red coat. Was it she a red coat? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. At uh, Butlin's in Scarborough. Really? And we've got loads. She, she was the woman, she had very good legs, actually, my mum. And she was the woman that peddled the ice cream box. It was a box in those. It wasn't an ice cream van, it was like a box on the back of oh, it. On a bicycle. On a bicycle. Brilliant. And it was called Stop Me and Buy One. Of course. And uh, she, she talks about it, well, she died this year, but she used to talk about it all the time. It would, you know, you wouldn't go sort of six weeks without her dropping in. I was a redcoat. Really? As though it was like a general in an army. It was clearly a very sort of formative time for her. How
2: long did she do that for?
1: She probably did it for about three years.
2: Okay, so it was a part of her. Absolutely. Working so life. she
1: went, I think she went in April and she left in September and then she did other jobs just to get back to Butlin's.
2: Very good. So she had as much fun as the guests?
1: She did. She absolutely, I mean, she was an Irish girl. Away from home, living it up. You know, who knows what she got up to. She had a good time.
0: If you think of sort of the gloom of Ireland in the 70s, would it be? Grim,
2: yeah. To be a red coat, my god! Absolutely.
1: She took it really seriously. You know, she loved it bit of glamour.
2: Very interesting. Well, uh, you know, th- there might be cards out there <laughs> mm, had a particularly good day selling ice creams today in Scarborough. <laughs> to let you know at home, images of all the cards we discussed today are on the blog postcardfromthepast.co.uk and you can have a look for yourself. Now, Kit and Grannie, you've been kind enough to come along uh, to the studio today with some postcards <laughs> of your own. Kit, let's start with you. What, what's the first postcard you've got here?
1: Okay the first postcard is um a pink card and on the front of it is a fluorescent orange sign that says the end is nigh and
2: this is actually a greetings card isn't it's it it's a this greetings one, yeah. card
1: yeah i collect but greetings cards you have got a kind
2: cards. of yeah there's there's, there's, <laughs> so there's a, sort of a parallel going on here
1: i've got a huge box at home of greeting cards that i collect i never never intend to send them they're sort of messages to me really and this one says on the front, the end is nigh. And it resonated with me because I was brought up as a Jehovah's Witness. And uh, when I was brought up, Jehovah's Witnesses were saying quite clearly the world was going to end in 1975. 75, okay. And it was, you know, an absolute, you know, an absolute date that we all work to. So I grew up, I was born in 1960, so in 1975 I was 15. And I was obviously a little shit, wild, smoking, you know, kissing boys. And I thought, well, I'm going to die soon.
2: You might as well. Might as well,
1: exactly. And so when I was 16, I left home because the end hadn't come. But I thought it was about to come. I thought the end was nigh. So I left home at 16 and I packed it in, you know, because the (laughs) end's about to come. So I was like, what drugs have you got? And who are you? And let's go to a party and let's... I was wild. This was not
2: the intended
1: effect of this message, presumably. (laughs) It so was. I mean, it's supposed to frighten you into complete and utter... I mean, it's a cult. And it's supposed to frighten you into submission and and rule following. And to me and my brothers and sisters, it did exactly the opposite. It made us leave home at the first opportunity, because we had to, if you didn't want to be a Jehovah's Witness, you had to leave home. And then it was like, well, we're about to die. Let's, Let's just go for it. So I was sort of like that till I was 21. And I was just steeped in drugs and alcohol, sex, drugs and rock and roll. I have to say, it was fantastic. I have no bad <laughs> memories. But by the time I was 21... you <laughs> any
2: memories at all. <laughs>
1: well, by the time I was 21, I was fucked. Do you know what I mean? I was tired. I was broke. And I was like, do you know what? Maybe I'm not going to die. <laughs> and I need to clean up my act and get a bloody job. So that really resonates for me. Um, you know, seeing that it reminds me of when I believed that took me a long time to not believe I was going to die, and the the end is not nigh
2: so you 've got another card with you that, so that t- takes you away thing. from that in a way absolutely
1: so it 's a postcard with just some writing on it, and it says i 'm writing to you from the future to tell you that everything will be okay, and I love it because it 's I, I have to work on believing that every single day because I was brought up with this in a sense of impending doom, which I still have, I do try and be optimistic. I try and bring my children up to be optimistic, which is increasingly difficult these days. But I do sort of have to say to myself, it's OK, you're not going to die. The world isn't going to end. Because I was brainwashed till I was 15. Well, probably till I was 20, I was think I was still under the brainwashing. And they're your formative years. That's when you you know, you form your view of the world you become who you are and things go in quite deep without you even knowing. So, yeah, that's my mantra. I need to have that tattooed somewhere.
2: But these cards, I mean, these are literally messages on a greetings card and a postcard. In other words, they're the most trite, yes. trivial messages. Yes. But they resonate with you in a, in a much more profound and real way.
1: Absolutely. And that's why, you know, I, I wouldn't send that. I wouldn't send either of these to anyone because you know, it's not gonna mean anything to anyone. Apart from my brothers and sisters, everyone's just gonna look at that and think, Yeah, cheesy shite. But to me, I'm reading it, I'm going, Oh, the end is night It's gonna be okay. The end is night It's gonna be okay. You know, there's there's a real sort of uh message to me, very personal, which is I mean, I I've got a massive box of cards and that some of them have got things on, some of them just got pictures on it. But I do, you know, if I see them in a shop, I have to buy them because they're like you know, my therapy, my cheap £2.50 therapy session.
2: Fantastic. Greetings cards and postcards as therapy. I mean, (laughs) that's that's a very good way ahead, I think. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, There was a lot more to those cards than I realised. Gronje, we need to talk about your cards, but (laughs) perhaps we should start by talking about your lack of
1: cards.
2: (laughs) Now, I'm prepared to believe that you don't have cards because... A lot of your stuff is still back home in Ireland. Is that is that fair, or is it?
0: I think I just come from the generation that start. It's awful. I think I. So I only have one card. <laughs> And I gen- in the I, world, in the world, <laughs> I have one postcard. Um, it's great.
2: It's great that you've brought a hundred percent of your cards <laughs> with you today. That's that's that is good. That's more than we've ever had, actually. I
0: I saw because I had a little look through. I I've got a few. I all, I keep all the birthday cards and I keep all my Christmas cards because, especially, Christmas cards and birthday cards from people who are no longer with us. It's just a lovely mm-hmm. way to remember. Because what I like, but there's an informality. And it kind of captures how you normally chat to people, you know. It's it's not precious or anything. So I try and what what I try and do is use all birthday cards and Christmas cards as bookmarkers and things like Very that. Oh, so nice. it's like they're still in use yes. rather than you know collecting dust somewhere. But I only have one postcard, and I, I sort of assumed I would have more, but then, I don't know, I think maybe I'm part of the, the Facebook generation. That
2: You are terrifyingly young, that is true. <laughs> but before we look at your only card, I read uh, an interview with you, yeah. which I wasn't sure if you were being serious or not, and I think you probably were being serious, and you said... My name is Gronia Maguire. My hobbies are visiting historic buildings and documentaries about Princess Diana. <laughs> yeah. And I couldn't tell if there were layers of irony there. But you no. you're telling me this is true.
0: I so I love love visiting royal historical palaces. That's where I go to relax, because your problems can't find you in the past. And oh, what a phrase! <laughs> Get, write that down. Oh, I'm stealing that <laughs> that's one. That's a good one. And what I love, I love. There's something about Princess Diana. I absolutely love. Uh, I was rereading, you know, that book she did with Andrew. Was it Andrew Mo- Morton? Yes, yes, Andrew yes, Morton. that's funny. And it was so funny because it was so, you know, like you know, like nearly twenty years old that book now, and. <laughs> I was rereading it and get angry all over again. I was like, "That Camilla. We've forgotten what she did. (laughs) I was on a bus just going, oh, guys, we need to wake up and remember.
1: (laughs) Well,
2: in order to help you remember, I I did a bit of digging around in a box of uh, postcards, as I do, more often than I should. And I found two cards that have a Diana connection. So I thought you could have a, a look at them. I think they probably go... In that order.
0: Oh, wow. So, help,
2: help help, us through those.
0: OK, so a uh, lovely picture of uh, Tower Bridge, which is very nice. Nice Victorian bit of medieval architecture. Very nice. <laughs> uh, I'm seeing a fabulous stamp of a uh, Charles and Diana in their, their heyday before it all went wrong. And it's to a Miss C.E. Rye in Cornwall. And it's Hello, Christine, we are in a big rush, so I can't write much. Camp is great. Food is good. Weather great. Saw so fireworks. Brilliant. So royal procession. Bye for now, Alison.
2: <laughs> now from the date on that, I'm pretty sure that's the either the royal wedding or a procession around the royal Aww. wedding. Yes. <laughs> because it's the end of the end of july beginning of august 81 oh
1: yeah. yeah that's it it yeah. was the end of um, 30th of august. july 1981 yeah. and apparently there was something in the post about this because he was made to look taller than her
2: oh he, she was definitely taller than Absolutely. him in reality and, and there's so a foot between them there yeah so
1: they've uh, it looks like the sort of, you know, how they'd like to think of the husband and wife.
2: I showed that to someone this morning and they said, oh, it's, it's so that they could put the Queen's head and the price of the stamp there. Oh, yeah, but no. I think there's more to it than Naive, that. yes. Yeah, yeah, Now, there's another card for you to, to look at there, Granny, which is a, another view on this same event, I think. It's a rather extraordinary picture as well, isn't it?
0: (laughs) So the postcard is a very scantily clad man hanging off the side of a Cliff Face.
2: Yeah, at first I thought he had no clothes on.
0: (laughs) Wow. Rock climbing in Derbyshire. Uh, Oh, and there's a little guy there with a rope. And again, same stamp. Oh, my God, this is an essay.
2: Well, I think the good stuff's at the beginning. You're lucky.
0: So did you enjoy it all And then this bit is underlined, ever so much, question (laughs) mark.
2: It's very, very conversational,
0: isn't it? Straight in. We did, exclamation mark, it really was lovely, wasn't it? So gracious of the, what's that? The deans? Deans, maybe? The deans lord to keep everyone, in inverted commas, safe. Dear lord? Oh, oh so gracious of oh, the dear Lord to keep everyone safe and so good tempered. I do praise ma'am, I do praise some some young talk and singing and and even now in their honour and we have shot one on Wednesday <laughs> so hope you safe week. <laughs> That <laughs> you have lots of it, it pennies, and you. Oh my, oh my god! god. Well, I
2: think that I, <laughs> yeah, it was all lovely, wasn't it? And I think I think that is referring to the royal wedding.
1: Yeah, yes.
2: Because the date there is. The
1: dear lord kept everyone safe. Yeah, yeah. That's what he was doing. I think that it's day. right. They're,
2: they're, they're absolutely combining their their faith with the success yes, of the wedding.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: It's it's just. I think it's quite hard to imagine now people being so invested in a, a royal event like yeah, that absolutely. Although, and with re- religious content as well yeah
1: <laughs> although Meghan and Harry's to do you know that was in fact it was really interesting you know the following week after Meghan and Harry was it Princess Eugenie got Oh married, yes, yeah yes. so that was on the telly and my son who's 18 just went who's that well, you know, that sort of completely non-event, as far as he was concerned. He doesn't know who those princesses are. Mm-hmm. Um, he barely knows who Prince Harry is. You know, they're not interested. It's, no. it's a different generation.
2: Yeah, and I think we have a different... or well, that the younger generation has a different pantheon, a different... Yes. The people they look up to are different, or the people they even see as... As sort Is of, it royalty? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, the Kardashians, for mm. example. I think Harry and Meghan. It was the fact
1: that Oprah was at their wedding. Yes, <laughs> that was a <laughs> big exciting. deal. Yeah. yeah, my my son watched that because uh, Meghan Markle was so tasty. But that was the <laughs> impetus. Not I'm watching history here. Yeah.
2: But maybe there were people sending postcards saying, "Did you? Did you? What was the phrase? Did you love it all? Did you?
1: Did you enjoy it all ever so much?
2: That's <laughs> I love I love that phrase."
1: That doesn't sound to me English, you know, like an English phrase. Did you enjoy it all ever so much? Oh, I don't know, I suppose it could
2: be. I think it was sent in Northampton. Right, so maybe that's a Northampton
1: phrase. phrase, Did you enjoy it
2: ever so much? That's really nice, I think, anyway. But um, I suppose I'm interested in that stuff because it's a public event, it's in the history books, this happened, but it's ordinary people just coinciding with it their paths yes. cross with a public event and actually this is a a thing that happens in your books
1: yes you have yes.
2: these stories about people on their own trajectory but they intersect with totally. things that are in the book real things things yeah. that we know about history
1: absolutely and i've always been really interested in the huge big you know public events like the royal wedding or riots or for example in my second novel the ira bomb in birmingham in 1974 but on that day, normal things were happening, ordinary things were happening and important things were happening. So uh, if you think about 9-11, which only has one you know, message to us when we think about 9-11, but that was somebody's birthday. Somebody died on that day. Someone got married somewhere on that day. And so every time they say 9-11, well, that's the day my son was born or that's my wedding anniversary, it's like it's hijacked your big date. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been hijacked. It can't... It can't any more be yours because it belongs to the world. And I've always been interested in the small domestic dramas that go on that are huge to us, they're massive, they're life and death to us. But to the world, oh no, it's nine eleven, it's Charles's and Diana's, you know, wedding, it's whatever. And so it stops belonging to you and you have to, I suppose, work really hard to salvage something from that, to say this is my day and I am gonna have a celebration. I mean, you know, imagine having a birthday party
2: on nine eleven in New York mm. the following year. But at the same time, we're not cut off from the world. So those public events that they're, they're sort of running a parallel path and they, they cross over with us as well. Yeah. They are part of us as well.
1: Yeah. You know? And they bleed into us. We can't help it. Everything I think we're so interconnected now that everything bleeds into everything else. You know, you can't I mean, most people I know are on social media, even people that you wouldn't expect. And so, you know, you're getting much more than, say, 10 years ago, snippets of things that you just wouldn't interact with normally. You know, the the recent uh, vote in Brazil, I would not have known about that. I wouldn't have been interested in that. I wouldn't have had an opinion on it. But now I do have an opinion and, I, you know, I'm checking to see what happened and what, how, what effect does that have. Yeah. It's both good and bad, though. And
2: even if you were the kind of person who's interested, you'd have had to go to the f- overseas foreign pages of Absolutely. The Guardian to find out about it. Yeah. Well, now it pops up.
1: It pops up. and It's, it's, and it's, it's, also, a tre- it's trending. And, and somebody's giving it an opinion. It's not just, here's the news, but it's the news according to and this is what it means and here's the implications for you and isn't the world going in a bad direction? Mm. And it's, you know, I do think it's bad in a lot of ways, but I would. I want to not know. No.
2: Yeah, you can imagine that these things are part of your landscape, and sometimes they're not really. No. It's like it's like being obsessed with celebrities. A friend of mine calls them your imaginary friends, mm. which is what they are really. Yes. You, you'll never really know these people. They never really impact on you. It's a, it's a nice distraction. It's like you running off into your medieval castles. <laughs> yes. It's a nice distraction, but it's probably not going to sort out. I don't know, getting your plumbing sorted or whatever Except it is. What know.
0: did you say? The past... Problems can't find you in the past. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I profound. love that
1: phrase.
2: <laughs> well, on, on that theme of this idea of sort of brushing past history in the corridor, there's a card I've got, which is a card of uh, Bournemouth, and it's, it was sent on 22nd of July 1969. And the, the message on it reads, Set the alarm for two o'clock last night to watch the men on the moon but Rob turned it off in his sleep. <laughs> so we woke up eventually at 6.30, 15 minutes after it finished, but saw it the second time around. It was very good.
1: <laughs> wow, fantastic. That, that's
2: really how we interact with history, isn't it? Yes. It's like, we, oh, I missed it, or it yeah. was happening on behind. You know, yeah. yeah, I'll get it on
1: replay. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's not how it happens in, in, um, in television dramas, but that's, this is how it really happens. You yes. don't quite spot things. Well, Granny, we, we, you know, we've, we've delayed the moment, but we really need to look at your um, <laughs> 100% of your postcard collection. To some extent, I'm jealous that you've only got one card. <laughs> my my garage should be a lot easier to get into if I only have one card.
0: So mine is uh, from 2009. It's from New York, the Big Apple. And it's from my friend Miriam. She had just gone on holiday to New York and she sent me a postcard saying, Dear Gráinne, having a lovely old time out here. I have climbed the Empire State, eaten at Cat's Deli and had martinis with Angela Lansbury.
2: Oh, (laughs) this is great.
0: (laughs) Hope you're well, girl. Love, Mim.
2: Well, so how come she had martinis with Angela Lansbury?
0: Miriam is a very interesting person. She's one of those people. She's real. She knows everybody. She's a real mover and shaker. So I wouldn't be surprised. She would go anywhere and just be like, oh, hanging around with Michelle Obama. That would oh be Miriam. God. So I don't know how. I, God, do I So remember? she never told you the story. I'm trying to think. What? I think there was a, her friend was in a play maybe with
1: her. OK. I
0: think that was it. But yeah, she had
1: Martinis. With Angela Lansbury. With Angela Lansbury. That's actually the title of a book. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it?
2: That is a proper New York adventure as well. You go to New York, something will happen. I know. (laughs) Martinis with Angela Lansbury.
0: And uh, Cat's Deli, uh, which I'm very jealous about. Is that uh, the one
2: from Harry Met Sally?
0: I think so, yeah. It's sort of like one of those...
1: New York diners Dadis. yeah so um, I love that phrase at the end hope you're a good girl <laughs> hope you're well girl hope you're well girl it's great
0: <laughs> I remember getting it it's just like I think I was at the time I was still temping and sort of bleak when did I get this 14th of May, so like a, a very sort of early spring morning, Ugh. and then just getting this in the door oh. <laughs> my friend was off having cocktails with bloody murder, she wrote. So
1: <laughs>
2: maybe, this is, you know, maybe this is why you've been put off postcards because yeah. it's just like a way of saying your life is dull. <laughs> yeah. Look where as, I am as, as you prepare yourself another cup of Nescafe. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's my that was my. My, no please, I think you've redeemed yourself. I think
2: Cocktails with Angela Ransbury is good. You know, you, 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 it's, it's all forgiven, all forgiven. Thank you, thank you for sharing it with us. I'll do another quick one-on-one quickly now. This would have been a good one for you and your misspent youth kit because you, you look at that and your eyes, you, you wonder what's wrong with your brain. Yes. It, it's a seaside view, but the whole picture is so totally out of register.
1: Yes. It's like you need three D glasses. Yes. Yeah. It's like yeah, those or you know those things where you have to go sort of cross eyed to make yeah. any sense. Yeah, and there's of a them. picture of a
2: leopard or something.
1: Yeah, and it's just it's the just, possibly the most uninviting place I've ever seen. Yeah.
2: Very, very badly printed. And
1: very. what's shocking
2: is someone went to that carousel of cards outside a shop and they chose yeah. the worst printed card <laughs> anyone has ever Absolutely. seen. Absolutely. They could have had the one next to it which was perfectly good.
1: So where is this one?
2: I think it's the Isle of Wight. Uh, I feel
1: like a man chose that postcard. <laughs>
2: that'll do, that'll yeah, do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long time ago, 1963. Maybe oh, in those days, maybe we thought, oh, that, that's all we can get.
1: Yes, oh. yeah, they probably, you know, <laughs> one maybe of... Maybe
2: the Isle of Wight was out of register then. <laughs> but there's an elliptical message here as well. He says, I told Bert what you said, but I don't think it sinks in, or he don't want to know.
1: Oh, I like oh, that. That.
2: So.
1: that almost sounds like in you know, It's From a Gangster. Yeah. You know, he's gone on holiday with Bert and they've said, you've got to tell, say this to Bert. And it's like Bert's not getting it because he's, he's been punched drunk. <laughs> you don't know, want to know. Exactly. Wanna and he know. don't want to know. Bert don't want to know. Yeah. Bert, the Bert is the, the yeah. perfect name.
2: I don't know what it was, though. And why would you say that to Olive and John? Olive and Johnny?
1: And why would you put it on bother to put it on a postcard unless he's been told to take Bert away and tell him the news.
2: I told Bert what you said.
1: It could be this take is a novel for you. <laughs> it could be. Take Bert on holiday. Give him the news. Take him to the Isle of Wight. Wight.
0: That'll, you know, lessen the yeah. blow. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Blow his mind with a card that doesn't register. <laughs> well Oh
0: my
1: God. So good. I love that. Good and nice writing, though. Look at that script there. Yeah, that's real. That's how my dad writes. Yes, yeah, old style.
2: That's a Nye post. Nye, who published this, Postcard yeah. Fans, is now the longest established postcard publisher in the UK. They're
1: still in business. Still
2: in the UK. And far better quality cards than that now, yeah. I might add.
0: What I don't understand is why don't postcards, why aren't they sold already
1: with stamps? Yes. It'd be so much easier. Oh.
2: They used to be. I think you can still get post office produced blank ones that do. Mm. But you're right. It would be much. I suppose the only problem is that you'd have invested that in them. So if they're not sold, if the shop doesn't yes. sell them, there's all that value sitting there. It's like. Um,
1: or you should sell the postcard and then say, where are you going to put the stamp on? There you go. Perfect.
2: You're listening to podcasts from the past, the Postcard Podcast, and my yesterday are comedian Grania Maguire and novelist Kit Duval. And Kit. What's the second card you got for us today? I believe you might be cheating again.
1: I'm definitely cheating because it's a greetings card and not a postcard. But it's another card that means something to me. And it's a black and white photograph. It's a very old photograph of a man with his back to the camera standing on a chair or a little ladder addressing a crowd of men fervently, lots of onlookers. And he has his left arm raised and you just know he's mid-speech and he's talking about something really important. And why I love this photograph and why I wouldn't send the card to anyone is because it speaks to me about having political passion, um, which came to me very late, obviously, because I was in a drug-induced fog for a lot of my years. But when I sort of came to and looked around at the world, you know, I I think, and this would have been sort of early 80s. Obviously, it was Maggie Thatcher's world at the time and there was a lot to protest there. But compared to now, I don't think we've ever had so much to say or we should have so much to say and be resisting so much. And what I love about this guy is, who knows who he is, but he's got passion. He's not just letting the world go by in a fog of you know, Kardashian makeup or whatever. He's standing there and he's talking from the heart and I absolutely love it. I love that guy. I'd love to know what he was saying.
2: And I suppose because it's, it's cause it shot from behind, you can kind of impose yes. your thoughts onto what he's saying. You don't Absolutely. You don't even see his face. You don't quite know who he is.
1: Um, I think it is, I can't read that at the back, it's in Dublin, isn't it? Oh, Unemployment March, Dublin. Right. 1957. Perfect. Unemployment March. So he's, you know, talking about the government. He's talking about how it feels probably to be hungry and what are we going to do about it. And there's so many people there listening and exactly the same as today. There's lots of people that can't eat, that can't pay their bills, lots of homeless people. And I don't know if this guy is homeless or not or whether he's a politician, but he's doing something about it anyway. And I think that's really, really important. And this is, of course, social media of the time, where you would go to a park or an event, and, but you had to go if you wanted to hear it. You couldn't sit at home. It probably wasn't going to be on the state radio. So you had to get out there, meet with other people and share your views in the pub or in the park or whatever. And, you know, long may continue that kind of resistance.
2: I think you know we all have these sort of social media platforms which we use now all the time. I'm, you know, a huge fan of using Twitter and so on. But there is that sense that they're people call them an echo chamber, but they're also very contained. They're kind of there's a lot of noise going on within these platforms, but it doesn't necessarily go anywhere. Yeah. Well, this chap has kind of he's broken, yes, broken through any conventional media, put his stool there, created his own platform literally, yes. and stood up and spoken.
1: Absolutely, and. I think the other thing is you had to make in those days the effort to engage with um, politics. And now with, you know, I can retweet on five different subjects. Oh, um, Trump, Brazil, working class writers, um, whatever. I can just do, do, do And I have not properly engaged with mm. those issues. I mean, I have on some of them. But the other day I was, I was reading something about the, the trans issue and, and the way there's lots of feminist backlash about who is a woman and what constitutes womanhood. And it was a really long article. It was a, it was a link to a really long article. And I looked at it and thought, am I going to read that? No. But I retweeted it mm, like a prat.
2: Dangerous, isn't it?
1: Yeah, don't, you know, either understand the issue and then have something to say or leave it alone. And don't just jump on and jump on and jump on. You know, you see some tweets that have got, like, 20,000 retweets. Some of them are just funny. You know, it's it's a dog on a skateboard or whatever. But some of them contain really important information that I suspect 20,000 people don't fully understand the issues. And so it's, it's about educating ourselves by turning up things like this and actually listening. And I, I feel as well, sometimes... When I go on Twitter, I really
0: envy, you know, like if you were just a serf, you know, yeah. 500 years ago, you were like, What <laughs> I know this sounds bad, but you had would be aware of your limited influence. Yes. But I feel sometimes I am so aware of trans issues, working class rights, what's happened to the NHS, what's happening in America, the rise of the far right. And I feel... Personally, that it's my fault because I'm not doing enough. Yes, and I think oh, I'll be so great. Like a hundred
1: years ago, whatever. Oh
0: no. Just have a little. You'd eaten your crust. You'd have
1: sat down in the dirt and you'd been quite happy. Yeah. No, but it's true. You you don't you wouldn't have felt as impotent. You wouldn't have had the information. That's the first thing. If you did have the information, you'd just think I can do nothing. You wouldn't have been well educated, for example. So you just either disengage or just you know moan to your friends. But now I think we are all encouraged to have, you know, a vote and to use our vote. But the response, it can weigh you down, is what I'm saying. I think all that information... I think it's, I think it's accelerating and
2: growing as well, because with uh, the situation in America at the moment, that a great number of British people feel both very strongly about what's going on and feel they should actually express their opinion and almost want to influence it in a way that... I don't think that's been the case with previous American administrations. No. You just, you feel sucked into it. I think it's because you're exposed to so much mm. of it and, you know, you, it's right that you feel outraged at things. Yes. But you're utterly powerless to do anything about it. You're in, you are in you know, Crawley or absolutely or,
1: I remember you know. being at a literary festival and someone said to me, what you, Trump had just been elected. What do you think about Trump? And... I really wouldn't answer it because it was going to hijack. I had so much to say because has got a big mouth. I was, I was going to hijack the whole thing become, by become talking about Trump. Yeah. And I just said, you know, instead of talking about Trump, should we just talk about what we can influence, which is just as bad. You know, what's going on here is just as bad. So, of course, know about it, but actually put your energy into the shite on your doorstep mm. first.
0: I, I remember there was so much sort of consternation about how, the, the, you know, Trump's vice squad... ICE, not ice. How the will do <laughs> yeah, But how America treats uh, the refugees. UK's got a dreadful history. Absolutely. But it's not as flashy or as sexy or as yeah. it's sort of like more tedious and you kind of have to do a lot of work. So I think, yeah, it's got what I found really what makes my little Twitter pleasure is like after the midterms. So many English people sort of tweeting their take on it like, like they're Walter Conkright, Go! Well, I just want to say you know I think the midterms were good but obviously a lot more work to do And I didn't
1: even know what midterms I still couldn't tell you what midterms are.
2: We've had to learn this stuff so quickly. Yeah. And you feel obliged to learn it. Yes. Uh, Keep up, keep up. It's like trying to become a football fan if you've never watched a football match. You've got I gotta remember the whole team. And where does he play? And who did he used to play? I can't learn all this stuff. It's too much. Yeah.
0: (laughs) But it's so funny, everybody feeling like I have to issue my statements. Yes. People
2: are waiting to
0: find out out what I think of the
2: (laughs)
1: midterms. It's so important.
2: (laughs) She has spoken. (laughs) Now we know. <laughs> but it almost works like that. Certain people seen are seen as so influential that you want to know their take on yes. this. Yeah. You know, what does Stephen Fry think? Let's find out. You know, does it matter? <laughs> well, thank you so much, both of you. I'm delighted that you brought... Some postcards and some other <laughs> cards and some stories about postcards to share with us and the listeners. Another quick reminder for everyone at home that all the cards that have sent us hurtling towards these stories uh, are on the blog, postcardfromthepast.co.uk, including uh, one more in the postcard from the past, past postcard style. This is a card of Kirkstone Pass. It's a very oh, dramatic wow. scene and it's um, a symphony in pale green, sort of dirty pale green. And this was sent in 1968. So when the Paris students were ripping up the (laughs) pavements, Robert was sending this card to uh, Mr. and Mrs. Evans. And he says, The weather is warm, having a good time. The youth hostels are quite good so far. May write again soon. Yours, Robert. (laughs) P.S. Fire at hostel in boiler room. Nobody hurt, mostly smoke. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, so, okay.
2: News, OK. News just in, really.
1: <laughs>
2: while writing the card, the Hostley's Inn is set on fire. Wow. But, um, there you go. The, the moments that occur mid-sentence. Well, before we let Kit and Gronia back out into their worlds, I've got just one more card for you both. It has become the custom for us to end on one of these. Um, I don't know if either of you have seen one of these before.
1: Oh, wow. No, what is that? Phonoscope. What does it do?
2: There's actually a message on that one, I think.
0: So there's a, a little sort of Piero clown playing a, a Spanish guitar, looking wistfully. Wow,
1: in, I mean, into the sea. What's, what's with the thing? <laughs> the, the, the eye business. So that is, that is freaky. Um,
0: uh, oh God, what's it called? My brain's gone.
2: It's like a Commedia dell'arte yeah, yeah, thing. Commedia I don't know which character. Is he put, I think it says Pulcinella. I think he's called Pulcinella, which I think is the same as Mr. Punch.
1: Yeah, you know, so, and yeah, yeah, yeah. could you put this on the on a. I nearly said a gramophone. Shit.
2: I think that's the right word.
1: Turntable, and oh, it would wow. play whatever this guy is supposed to be playing. A well, musical card. It's possible. Oh my word! Do world. you want to have a look at
2: the message, Grania? Oh, wow. The writing's easier than that last one.
0: <laughs> so, on the back it says, This is a lovely spot. The weather has been glorious so far and we have spent most of the time on the beach. Went on a boat trip yesterday and now my back looks like a beetroot. It rained last night, so we are going to the hairdressers this morning <laughs> as it looks as if it will brighten up this afternoon. It's very gay in the evening here. Lots of music and dancing. See you soon.
1: Love, Joan.
2: There you go. Oh.
1: i going to the hairdresser because it might be fine.
2: <laughs> what, 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 what intrigues me about this is that these cards, and we'll, we'll have a chance to listen to this in a moment, they were typically supplied in an envelope, and you, you, you meant to send them in an envelope, really, mm-hmm. because that's gone all the way through the post. <laughs> With record grooves on it. Wow. I mean, if anyone... I've
1: never heard of one of
2: those. Well, Charlie Next Door has got some amount of technology. We might be able to see if we can get this to play.
0: Italy. <laughs> what was that in the 60s when that was centre? 70s? Uh,
2: uh, late 50s, I think. Oh,
1: wow. It'd be so glamorous, wouldn't it? So glamorous to get one of those. So high tech.
2: I think you'd call it going to the continent.
1: Yeah. Yes, exactly.
2: <laughs> what do you reckon?
0: This is worth a trip to the
2: hairdressers. (laughs) (laughs) It's not bad for a piece of cardboard. Because those grooves are not deep. They're just on the surface. It's
1: amazing.
2: They they are singing in Italian, I think. Some unidentified European language. Well, as the man in the mask strums away on his guitar... That's it for this time on Podcasts from the Past. I'd very much like to thank my first-class guests for sharing the postcards from their pasts, Gronia Maguire and Kit Duval. Thank you both. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Bye for now. You can see more postcards with their messages... Posted every day on Twitter. Do follow me at pastpostcard. And you can buy the book, Postcard from the Past, by me, Tom Jackson, at Amazon and all good booksellers. And if you're looking for podcast production, check out wardorstudios.co.uk.